Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories and real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, Episode 31, A Reason to Smile. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man. That's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories, their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. Ben and Rachel Kellum are joining us today in Unbroken Jars podcast. We're, we're excited about them coming in. We've already, um, Randy and I, um, they came in not too long ago in a meeting that we were in, and we got really excited about what they were talking about as they were excited about what they were talking about, and we knew that um, it was almost like Randy and I both looked at each other like, hey, we got to have them in. <laughs> uh, we got to allow uh, God to... Um, to use their story in uh, at least the format that we have as as uh, on this podcast. So today um, we're doing something we haven't done before. We've got four mics in a room, and we've never done this. So if uh, if this gets chaotic on those for those listening, I'm sorry. We'll try to figure it out. But um, we're extremely glad that you guys are here, and look forward to our our time together today. Thank cool. you for having us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. We're glad to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great to have. And, and I guess, you know, we usually start this off this way anyway, is we know a little bit about you, but not a lot. Uh, maybe just begin by sharing with those who are listening and, and with us too a little bit about yourself, like where you're from and your family. And like either one of y'all can go take the lead on that. Sure. Um, so uh, I grew up in Bentonville, Arkansas. So. Home of Walmart. That's our claim to fame. Is it really? Yes, it is. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. Now you do. <laughs> so, um, very northwest corner. Uh, okay. is where I grew up. So, um, and uh, then I attended Harding University. Um, and Ben grew up in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, and he went to Lipscomb. Um, and so we kind of met through uh, college. Um, so Ben has an older sister who went to Harding as well. And uh, then she had three little brothers, and she said, no matter where y'all end up in school, you need to go on their study abroad trip to Florence, Italy. Um, yeah, so I I met, I went and met an Italian woman from Arkansas. Uh, so, <laughs> and, uh, so that's my version of the story. And so, uh, and then we started dating after that. So I went back to Lipscomb, and she went back to Harding, and and then we dated long distance for a while. And then I, I said I would go to Harding for a semester and she would come to Lipscomb for a semester. And then I went to Harding and then she did <laughs> not come back to Lipscomb, <laughs> but it worked out. We got married. So I think in the end it worked out pretty good. So, yeah. So, so the foreign, the, the, the thing that y'all went to, it was sponsored by Harding. Harding. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. But you, but you went to it 
Just I just went to. You can sign up. They'll let any, anybody off the street you. sign That's up. Right. I didn't know that either. Yeah. yeah. If you sign up ahead of time, yeah. And so I signed up like a year and a half out or something. So is it like you're enrolling at Harding for that semester? You're basically a, a yeah a student of Harding for a semester. Right. Yeah. So. so so Ben did it, and I think both of your brothers uh, mm-hmm. did it for a summer. So that they were still going to their regular school, you know, during the fall and spring semesters, but they just did and a summer. Both of my brothers went to different schools. One went to MTSU and one went to um, Lipscomb. And mm-hmm. so, um, and then they all went and then they ended up actually marrying uh, the person they married by, they met them in Italy. So when I was going, they were giving me grief about, you're going to, you know, you're going to, we're going to look and check the girls out that are going because you're going to marry one of them. And I said, that's ridiculous. Uh and then that was there we go fate. Yeah. So it's a, the, apparently the Italian program has a very high success rate <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking for matching. So, so, that's right. So for all the the single folks listening, won't you roll in? That's yeah, right. It's, it's no matter what age, it's an expensive match.com probably, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a high success rate. So yeah. So um, you have you have two brothers. You said I have two brothers and a sister. And, you, and what about you? Are you? I am the middle, so I have an older brother and then a younger sister. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm assuming based on being at Harding or Lipscomb that maybe church was a part of your growing up. I mean, your families were attending. Yes, church. we both grew up uh, going to churches of Christ. Um, so Ben's family was um, all big in a church of Christ there in Tupelo, and then my family same thing there in Bentonville. So um, yes, that was uh, that made sense for for us to end up at Church of Christ schools. And I would say a lot of our family, immediate and extended family, were in town, and most were church-going people. So that was a big part of the family culture and uh, kind of the culture growing up, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about, so when you, as you went off to college, you had this goal, these goals, I guess, in mind of what you wanted to go into and major in and kind of talk about that a little bit what were your plans like not not what they're out now but what, what were you doing at the time sure so um I went into college saying I was going to go to med school so I had from an early age determined I would be a doctor um and a lot of that was I wanted to help people that was a huge part of um what I was thinking about is how can I be helpful and um serve others and um, that felt like a really natural fit. Uh, yeah. It was just very practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to Harding uh, uh, loving history, but wanting to do medicine. Um, I don't, you don't usually hear people say they love history. And that, c- keep going. I, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So um, I ended up talking to an advisor um, who is a medical school admissions advisor early on, before I'd even started school. Um, and he said... Major in what you love. Every every medical uh, school applicant is a biology, chemistry, biochemistry, whatever. So he said, we love it when we see something different, an English major or history major, whatever you love. Major in that and then take all your prerequisite classes. Uh, so I did that. So I majored in history at Harding. Um, and then I also had a major in pre-professional health sciences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just took all the pre-med classes as well. Um, so it's kind of had feet in two totally different parts of campus. Um, and, uh, so, and then when, yeah. So, um, and interestingly, my dental partner is, uh, 
his major in, from undergrad is Chinese. So, uh, well, so really? it is, yeah. So <laughs> he, he had the same philosophy, which is if you get the prereqs, you can do whatever. So he had a Chinese major. So you can, you can take Chinese as your main degree. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah apparently. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, so long as you have all of the requirements. So what apply. do you do with that? Well, no, apparently dentistry. Apparently shit. dentistry you got me off. You do with it. I don't know what you. I don't know what his game plan with it. I think he just liked it, um, and so he just uh, he was like, "Well, I'll take biology and then I'll take Mandarin this or whatever." So um, yeah, I, I don't know what you would have, he would have done without dentistry, but that's the direction he headed. So you know, there are parents right now. Uh, thinking of their kids going to college, you did what? <laughs> you're yeah. you're taking what as a degree? Yeah, so that so offers he, a little. He hope. solidified it out. Yeah, so um, I went to college. I was probably the, the opposite of Rachel um, in a lot of ways. I went not wanting to do medicine of any kind. Or um, my uh, my dad was a doctor. My uncles were doctors in town. I grew up with a lot of medical people and saw that it's, it can be a very brutal lifestyle, um, can really take a toll on people. And so I had no interest whatsoever in doing that. So I went to college. I liked science a lot. Um, I liked math. I actually thought I was going to do... Um, I had, I had no idea. Rachel's a little more type A, I think you would say, than me. I'm kind of loosey-goosey. Uh, uh, we're, we're opposite pairs in a lot of respects. So um, so I went. I really had no idea what I wanted to do, but I, I was interested in math. I thought about doing math, um, something, engineering, something along those lines. And then I really fell in love with science uh, there, got a biology, headed in the direction of biology. And so that was kind of my focus, but I had no intent at all of doing any kind of medical. I did like the idea of you know, medicine appealed to me because of helping people, but I just kind of saw the lifestyle and, and was not overly interested in that at the time. So you even briefly considered youth ministry. Was I did consider definitely. youth ministry. Um, and then I met children. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I did. I, I did consider, you know, I grappled a lot in college with um, that idea of uh, in order to do ministry, you have to be a minister. And right. so that was, you know, okay, if I want to, follow God's calling, I need to go into ministry. And so that was a pull at one point. And then I mm-hmm. kind of realized, well, I mean, I can be do ministry without being a minister and that, but that was a big challenge in college. So I was sure. like, well, if I'm going to, I'm at this Christian school, this, in order to pursue that, I need to be a, be a preacher, be a youth minister, be, and I was like, I'm not going to be a preacher. I have no interest in doing yeah. that. And so I was like, youth minister, they get to kind of mess around. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but then, then I realized that really well, it would have been putting a you know a square in a uh, round hole kind of thing. Yeah. It just would not have been a good fit. And so then I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I really didn't know. Even graduating, I had some idea, but not really um, at that point. So, so now did y'all get married prior to graduating? Then no, we didn't. We got married the summer after we graduated college. Okay, so. and so that program. How did all that shake out? Because I'm trying to figure out the math here. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, how many semesters did you go to Lipscomb before you transferred? So I was so I, I went to Lipscomb two years and then I went a summer at Harding and then went back to Lipscomb. Um, and then I basically finished out at Lipscomb except for one additional random semester 
at Harding. Right. It was real weird. It was, I would not, I would re- recommend it. It worked out, but I would also not recommend <laughs> the marriage. the educational path. It was, uh, <laughs> it was not a very straightforward path. So, uh, I had, because of the study abroad program, I had accumulated a lot of hours just because summer school basically. Oh, yeah. And so I was able to kind of go to Harding on kind of a lighter schedule. I mean, going your junior year when you're really taking most of your core classes to a random other school is not, um, a clean process. So, um, but it worked out. So, uh, it was, but yeah, I spent the short version. I spent almost every semester at Lipscomb except for one summer and then one fall semester at Harding. So I liked Nashville. Um, uh, Cersei was an acquired taste. Uh, I thought yeah. it was, uh, yeah. it's a, di- or it's a it very trans yeah. different pr- place. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful, but it was different. So, but there was this girl out there. Right. So that's, that's just, that's where she was. And so, it. yeah. So, um, then what year, what year did y'all get married then? We got married in 2011. Okay. So y'all have been married now. What's that? 12 years. It'll wow. be 12 years in July. Wow. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then y'all got the three children, right? We have three children. So we have Nora, that's our oldest and she's five. Right. And we have Amos and he's four, and then we have a little, we still call her our baby, uh, Lucy, and she's two and a half. So, Y'all's hands are full, just with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> pretty uh, pretty involved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I can speak to that, that, that firsthand, three children, and, um, and trying to live life is, is fun. Yeah. Especially at that age. That's right. Well, and people say <laughs> you have one kid and they say, well, two's not that different from one, which is just a total lie. And then they have two and they say three's not that different, which is also a lie. Yeah, so that's uh, a there, crazy turns lie. out more kids is more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and that a lot of people are liars. Yeah. <laughs> you know? people are, with kids are liars yeah. is also yeah. another part of that. What is but, it? What's the comedian that says that uh, they have five kids and. Uh, Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, it's it's something about it's you know you feel like you're drowning with, and then somebody hands you a kid. That's right. I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but you're now living in Huntsville, and maybe uh, tell us uh, a little bit about how you got here to Huntsville and what you currently are doing here in Huntsville as far as your work. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Um, after school, um, we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. We were getting married, and uh, uh, I was uh, thinking about doing research. I was also thinking about doing dentistry. Um, Rachel had decided she wanted to pursue a degree in uh, history of science and medicine, and so uh, I said, You're, you need to go to a program. There's not a ton of programs that do that, and so kind of mattered where she went more than where, where I went, and so... Um, we were also kind of looking for a change of pace, somewhere different, and so looked in Oklahoma and uh, really liked Oklahoma City. I remember going there the first time, and they were having an arts festival, and we were like, man, this Oklahoma City, they just have these events. It was like this, we went like the one weekend they're having this like yeah. incredibly huge event. For the year. Yeah, the, the whole year, that's the one time yeah. of year. The best have. part is like we went there to check it out, and it was like, wow, this is just this beautiful, magical, up-and-coming place, you know? Yeah. And then the... We, a few months later, we bought a house and we moved there and we moved there like literally the hottest day on record. It was like <laughs> oh, no. 105 yeah. degrees. Uh, 115. Yeah, yeah. I think what it was 115. This place? And we, we called the AC people. Like, this AC is not working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was literally, it was like yeah. Ni- literally 95 in our house. And yeah. they said, oh man, if it's 20 degrees below the outside temp, like, that's as good as it's going to get. And we were like, this what, is, what, we is, what just you know? happened? We're yeah. 22 year old kids just got married. Yeah. Moved to this house. So. 
Yeah, so we we moved to Oklahoma City. Um, I got a job doing research, which quickly talked me out of research. I was doing eye research, and I was just kind of a research assistant or something. And I didn't realize this at the time, but a lot of my job was working with mice, and it was on um, mice dark light stuff. And so all of the mice stuff had to be done done in a dark room. And so. And it was eye research. So it, a lot of my job would be like five hours a day. I would go into a dark room with mice and I would kill like 50 mice. And then oh I would cut God. their eye out of their head in the dark with a red light on. It was like hell. I mean, it was like what oh, I imagined. Yeah. So I'm in this room. For, I'd come home. Rachel would be like, you're like depressed. And I'm like, I, I euthanized 50 mice and took their eyes out today. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not doing great. <laughs> this wasn't my most fun day. That was, uh, so uh, uh, that was not my fan. I was like, research is not what I thought. This is not what I imagined this would be like. So um, that was kind of my kind of, and then I was interested in dentistry. So I applied and eventually kind of got in and so um yeah. yeah so he took a year off and did research there i started my yeah, master's program a, yeah. then he started dental school the next year so we were there about five years and then ben did a residency program um so we were uh out in idaho for that so we went out west for a bit potatoes that's, that's right well that's you know, I know about well i didn't know anything about idaho but someone told idaho me i should knowledge. check it out and uh I went up there. Well, I, before I went, I said, Rachel, I think I'll drive. And, and said, she you said, you drive? don't know where Idaho is. You and I looked Idaho. and it was like 25 hour drive. <laughs> so <laughs> I flew out there and I said, I, this is an amazing program. It's really great. I don't think we're going to live here. And then like three days later, I was like, I think we should go to Idaho. Yeah. He really teased me because the other options that he was looking into, one was uh, in Hawaii and yeah. then oh, the other yeah. was La Jolla. Uh, yeah, yeah. So San, San Diego, Diego basically. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I was and then really it was like, like why are, "Are you sure?" And Idaho, it needs to be Idaho? yeah, but, yeah. And then sure? Idaho, and then I, it turned out to be spectacular. Yeah, it was great. near the like uh, Yellowstone and probably oh, yeah. and so yeah. the skiing and the nature and it was. Yeah. Unbelievable. We actually lived in like a fifth wheel trailer, and we yeah, would like so close travel in the, the shut-ins and drive every weekend to oh, go wow. to a national park. Very so cool. it, was, it was actually yeah, great. yeah. I did a little dentistry, but it was mostly you know it was great experience. A really interesting thing, kind of church-related, on that is we went. We grew up in kind of a middle-sized church, both of us. I would say our churches, and then moved to Oklahoma City, and it was probably a church of fifteen hundred, maybe something like that. And then went to Idaho, and there was like thirty-five people. Oh and, yeah. yeah, yeah, and like because it's like ninety-five percent Mormon uh, in sure. Idaho, and oh, so and yeah. so uh, so to go. To, and to be, and they were like, it was funny. We'd go to church and we went and it's like, you know, like you, this is the church. You go to this, this is the church. So you go and they'd be like, the first time we went, they're like, VBS is next week. Yep. What are you going to do? What do y'all want to do? Uh, <laughs> and, and so that was like, like, okay. This is the youngest people we've <laughs> yeah. seen. Yes, absolutely. Years. We were really, really yeah. vibrant. Uh, and so they, it was, and then like, it'd be funny if you like were out of town or something, they, everyone knew where everyone was there. Talk about like, you talk about a big church and you go in you're like well we don't know when people are here when you're not here it's like they know when you're like they're late because they're at the grocery <laughs> store they'll be here in 15 minutes so it's a very different dynamic we but that was really parents, neat if you ever can't find us just call the church they'll they know all know they'll exactly know. where we are there's some really good things about that especially growing up young married mm -hmm. yeah. that people don't realize yeah it's like moving a long way away because you're growing together you got nobody right you know and right. you you learn to go to these these places like this, it's. I think it's good, healthy for young couples. Yeah, it was really great. It was a really positive experience. Mm -hmm. There were some really sweet people that were, and just a different, um, totally different 
kind of church culture and environment, which was really, I think, beneficial to be a part of. So, so what eventually? So, so that's that's your that's your dental trajectory. That's right. Learning process. So, how did y'all eventually get here? So he got connected um, in the process of looking for a dental residency. He got connected um, with a guy in Birmingham. And so we ended up um, moving to Birmingham to go. Ben was going to kind of do almost like another year of a residency, kind of learning under this um, this guy. And he also um, was affiliated then with a uh, drug rehab down in Birmingham. And so people who graduated through the drug rehab could come there and get their teeth done mm. um, after the program. And so that was kind of sort of what brought us down there. So Ben mostly worked with this guy, but then one day a week he would go and he would work at, um, at the dental center. Um, this drug recovery affiliated dental center. That's yeah. right. When you're saying drug recovery, so was it through the drug recovery? It or was basically an uh, arm of the drug recovery to some really? extent. And then it grew out to the point where it was, so it started kind of, they just had two dentists that would on Friday, if you paid $50, they'd do as much work as they could do in an hour. And so they'd have a line down the street and then you'd come and then people would come in and they would just do what you need five teeth out and four fillings. Great. If I can get done in an hour, I'll do it. And so that's how it started. And when I left, which was probably 10 years in, they had 12 full-time dentists running the facility. So they went from two people once a week that were just volunteers to 12 staff dentist running this facility so it started treating this drug recovery but then it expanded to everyone within i mean i'd have patients from louisiana georgia tennessee florida well um, sure yeah so from all over and so. then ben transitioned so he started kind of in the same boat he would go once a week um and then four days a week he worked kind of in private practice they, they kept suckering me into more and more days yeah. and so eventually i left private practice and worked full-time at this nonprofit. That's so. right. That's right. And so then when things were kind of, we realized that we needed a change. Um, from Birmingham, uh, I joked with Ben that, you know, when I married a dentist, I thought we were going to do like the four-day work week kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, Friday, Friday, yeah. Uh, no, that we... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't, fi- I hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need uh, to like golf more. So we decided to, uh, uh, he and another... A partner who actually was his dental school partner, and we remained great friends. He went off and did private practice for a while, um, but both of them have a heart for ministry and a heart for people, and um, and so we ended up deciding uh, we wanted to do something similar to the program they had there, uh, but somewhere else. And uh, yeah, and, and I think you're kind of we were talking a little bit about this earlier, but when I was at dental school, uh, Brian, who's my uh, dental partner now, um, we went out on a rotation in Oklahoma, and it was like. I, I joke that it was Podunk, Oklahoma, but I actually think there's a place called Podunk in Oklahoma. So that might literally be Podunk, but it was a place in Oklahoma, and we were on this mobile unit, and uh, um, this was very formative for me because we went out, and we were there to do very, very basic work for people. And um, and so we had pe- person after person get on the bus. We'd look in their mouth, and they would need uh, – six months worth of very expensive work. And I would tell them, I can adjust this tooth slightly. That's what I can provide for you today. Or I can take out a single tooth. And uh, you need 
$70,000 worth of work and I can do nothing, basically the equivalent of nothing for you. And so just, and then that person would get off the bus, the next person would get on, they would have this super complex needs and we'd be like, okay, I can do a cleaning for you. And so it just, it was very difficult for me and uh, Brian and I spent a lot of time talking just about like, man, this is so hard because the people that need all of this treatment can't get anything. I mean, we're, 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 it's that idea of just like you're a drop in the bucket and, and really you're not actually meeting their need. You're, you're, you're to a large extent or a lot of patients, some patients you really help and they're coming in in pain, you're resolving it, but you have a, this other population of people that need this really complex work and they have absolutely no resources whatsoever. And so that was really formative for me in dental school. And we were like, wouldn't it be great if we could just treat these people and give them a resource that they could stand a fighting chance to get this work done. Um, and then, uh, went to this drug recovery center in Birmingham and we're working and kind of got exposed to a model of, uh, dental education. So training other dentists being a revenue source so that you don't have to make as much money from the patients so you can get these. So I'm starting to see, Hey, we can actually treat patients that can't afford and have mm -hmm. complex needs. Mm -hmm. So this thing that I saw before was a problem. I've seen a way now that maybe you can address it, which is, working with man dental manufacturers that donate, working with fundraising and nonprofit and working with dental education. So training dentists. And I joke about, I have no problem taking dentist money. I'll take their money all day because that's great. They got, <laughs> they, they can do it. So I'm trying to avoid getting, you know, a lot of money for the patient. And so that was kind of the, the, I saw the problem kind of in dental school. And then I kind of saw a model that I didn't think existed, um, of a way of, getting there where we could actually make it happen. And so that's, mm -hmm. we said, Rachel, what if we could try to replicate some of the good of this and um, see if we could recreate this in a way that people could get treatment that really needed it. I'm also, I I'm interested to know y'all's partnership in this because it sounds like this is not, this is not Ben's thing. This yeah. is y'all's no. thing. I, I know he's the one in the mouths of the people, but that's right. Well, so, so I did grad school in Oklahoma and I ended up doing a like a history museum studies program. So mm -hmm. I went into museums um, and I loved it. I loved working in museums. Um, <laughs> and but I was I mean, museums, I was exposed to a ton of nonprofit stuff. So I mm -hmm. actually became uh, the grant writer for right. our department at um, the State History Museum where I was working. And so I um, had a big background in that. And then when we. When he did his residency, I worked remotely, um, but had always kind of wanted to be working. Uh, but when we moved to Birmingham, I was very pregnant with our daughter, and it just didn't feel like a good time to be applying for jobs. Oh, and sure. so um, so we waited, and I stayed home. Um, and then we had another baby, and then we had another baby. And so, um, mm. but as we were, you know, Ben was wanting to transition away from where he was, and we wanted to do something different. Um, you know, what, what we both said about it was like, this is going to be something we're doing as a family. So mm. we're making this big move as a family to somewhere we know no one. Um, ben has a sister in Birmingham. We had something there. We have nothing, you know, we had nothing here. Um, and so um, because of my background in nonprofits, um, it was kind of decided that, uh, you know, at some point, uh, the way they set things up for expediency and for everything was uh, the clinic, um, for tax purposes, operates currently as a for-profit, though they don't make any money off of it. 
Um, it's a for profit, not for profit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for profit is not profit. It's a for profit that's losing. <laughs> that's right. If it's a for profit, it's not doing well. Yeah. Um, it is the least successful for profit today. That's right. Yeah. Um, so. But we knew that we would transition that into some sort of nonprofit at some point when really when our youngest was able to go to school a little bit. And mm-hmm. so um, we began that transition uh, this spring. And so I um, am kind of spearheading all the nonprofit part of things. So grant writing and fundraising and um, and doing that um, portion. So um, and then Ben does the teeth. <laughs> yeah, I like my job. I can <laughs> that mine's the easiest part. Uh, so yeah, and I think one thing that was interesting for us that um, was stepping out into this thing that was completely new and we'd seen it, but seeing something exist is not the same as doing it or know it'll work. And oh, absolutely. so yeah. we have a lot of conversation and, and, um, you have a idea of what you think your life is going to look like. You go through school and they say, this is what you, a career in dentistry will look like. This is, so you're doing something that's not super common, best case scenario. And I think that it was interesting just to go into something. We felt like it was what a good thing to do and was the right thing to do, but um, just the level of uncertainty that was there, the level of discussion, the level of going into uncharted territory and is this going to work, is this not? I think that uh, I at least have, at different times, you know, you uh, or at least you interact with people like that are in the mission field or something. And yeah, this is where I need to be. This There's such a confidence you can hear sometimes with those people. And that was not always, I mean, it, we felt like we were kind of going into a mission field, but there was not inherently that. There was uncertainty. There was angst. There was, we could do something else. What do we, you know, so I think there was a lot of struggle there that was really d- interesting. Um, so I'm sure a lot of prayer went into this probably. I was wondering how, how it sounded like, is is faith driven what you're doing is kind of based upon wanting to help people who are in need and to me that's loving your neighbors you love yourself did that i mean did did y'all talk about this a lot pray about this a lot as far as like is it, you, you think it's where god is leading us that sort of thing yeah so so when we were still still dating um so we met um the summer of 2009 i think is when we met in italy and the next summer um, so we had been dating maybe nine months at that point. I had a um, an uncle who's a missionary in Togo, or at the time he was actually in Rwanda. Um, Africa. In Africa. I right. didn't know where it was. Togo, you're going to say. Sorry, Togo. Is that Oklahoma yeah. too? <laughs> no, it was pretty far. It's, yeah. So he was in Rwanda, and um, we both, uh, I was still considering medical school. Sure. Um, he was not sure, but science-related. So we were like, we wanted, and at the time we thought like mission, mission work might be something we wanted to do. Same thing. In order to be, I got to, in order to serve, you have to be a missionary. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So we decided we wanted to do this medical mission. Well, my, my uncle was on, uh, he was on furlough in the States. So he said, don't worry, I've got this guy I'll set you up with. He's back in Togo where they had been missionaries before and, um, I'll, I'll set it up and y'all can go over there. So we kind of did a, in an, a a big leap of faith, really from our parents who were letting these like 22-year-old kids just kind of go. It was not a planned mission trip with yeah. the church. It was just the two Fly of us. Fly to the um, middle of Africa. 
And so we... Yeah, it wasn't like an organization. It was just like, there's a guy in Africa. You're going to go meet him and start working on people. Right. So it's a little, yeah. So, <laughs> so like went, a Nigerian prince situation. <laughs> <laughs> it was an adventure. It was an adventure to get there. The whole thing was um, was very interesting. We went and he basically had the equivalent of like an EMT training. And he was running a complete medical clinic there. Mm. Um, they had a a girl who was a nurse um, from the States who was over there, but that was, that was it. Um, and so we went in every day and we would either be in the clinic at the church or we would be in the car driving to some village and treating patients there. Um, saw yeah. everything, um, everything under the sun that you could imagine. Um, and basically it was kind of a similar experience to what Ben was um, talking about. Um, I mean, people would come in, with maybe a massive wound on their leg mm -hmm. and we wouldn't even give them Tylenol. We didn't have enough Tylenol to pass out to well, this person. Well, they'd, they'd put them on the table and be like, here's your patient. And I'd be like, I have, right. like, I understand how cells make energy. Like, that's the yeah. extent of, right. of medical knowledge I have right now. Right. You know, like, this does not translate to wound treatment. Right. Uh, I mean, we would be, like, scrubbing their wounds with literal salt and putting Neosporin yeah, on it, well, wrapping it up and saying, like, come back next week kind of thing. Or um, I remember we wow. had um, we had uh, basically the equivalent of like a strong ibuprofen, and we gave it to a woman with like you know stage three breast cancer. Um, mm. So there just was a, a sense of like uh, mm. you know you're you're just putting a, a band aid on on this massive wound. I mean literally a, literally putting band aids on massive. Well, wounds. and a huge service they're providing, right? It's not to criticize that. It's just no. a, it's just an awareness of right. Yeah. That that we ha we had a person that came into the clinic, and he came in because a wound had gotten so bad his foot had fallen off, of his leg, so he came in saying, "Can you do anything about this?" And I was like, "I can't do anything about." this. I don't, I, I'm not reattaching a foot. I, I can, I can rub alcohol on your wound, but, um, and it's hard to even understand wound. Like I remember when we were going, like, what is a wound clinic? Like, because it's just like, basically they can't clean and like, there's just right. don't have access to basic, like it doesn't even exist right. here because we, we have soap, we have disinfectant, we have like, it's, a, and there's just not that presence there. And right. so, um, so I think that was just kind of a really formative experience as well. It was just like, um, wow, there is um, one, I don't know if we're going to live in Africa for the rest of our lives, but also we could do, we could really help people in a very practical way. Um, and, and like you were kind of saying, Randy, like that, um, you know, there's something about loving your neighbor that, that is doing something, you know, loving your neighbor right. isn't saying like, Hey, hi, have a nice day. You know, like, Loving your neighbor is doing. Um, and so that was a way that, um, you know, we, we didn't feel like we were doing that much there. But we were doing a lot. We were doing a lot for those people. They were, that clinic was doing a lot for those people. People came from all over to get Tylenol, you know. Um, and so I think that that kind of, as far as um, translating into, like, what, what we're doing here is trying to be, the hands and feet of Jesus, mm -hmm. literally doing, you know, what else um, can be done to show the love of Christ to the world if not doing something? You know, words yeah. can only get you so far. Right. Oh, um, absolutely. So uh, I think that that just kind of those experiences of, um, man, if we if we set something up, we could really do 
big things for maybe not for the world, but for this person here and yeah. for this well, and person here. The idea, what they are doing, what they were doing there is they just put their stake in the ground and said, this is where we're going to help people. Yeah. And uh, that concept was a big thing to me. Uh, just sure. this idea of, I can't help everyone, but I can be here. I can be a presence here and be a positive force here. And so that was really amazing to see, I think. So it's, it's really, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, to hear you guys talk about allowing your faith to lead you to do something. Because we, we think, honestly, I mean, you, you guys grown up in the church, you know this, mm-hmm. right? We think of faith as something we go and we go to church, and that's mm-hmm. faithful. Mm-hmm. And it's really not. I mean, sure, it's good, but it's really, that's really not until we have some action out of that faith does yeah. it actually become alive. Yeah, and I think that um, figuring out, I think that we have a tendency to draw to extremes, and so I can, I can either, like I said, I can either be a missionary in Africa or do nothing. I can either uh, uh, dedicate my life complete. Like I guess we just have a tendency to want to bring things to a very black and white, as opposed to just saying. I'm going to use what my skill sets that I have to try to help people. I, I just, I got overwhelmed when I thought a lot about instead of just boiling it down to, I have something I can do to help people. What can I do yeah. right now yeah. to do the good? And, right. and not, there's not a, I tell people, I joke, like I don't have like a master plan to take over the world. I just have like what I can do yeah. right, right today. So. Yeah. And like saying kind of going off of what Ben was just saying, I think one thing that, that we have, you know, hopefully done and, Uh, hope continue is you know we haven't like he said we haven't necessarily had this like here's our master plan and every day we're just knocking off one little thing on that master plan i think we've said like here's the scenario in which we're presented right now let's try to do the next right thing you know and so being getting to this point has been so many tiny tiny steps of faith you know going to these different places moving to this trying this um and and it's never been just one gigantic huge i think that we think of that especially as a young person that oh, yeah. like oh i'm gonna just move up and move to africa and serve the people there and if you do that's great but also it can just be one tiny step today and then tomorrow it's the next little tiny step yeah. um and so kind of you know we're we're meandering down this path <laughs> that we hope <laughs> is pointing people to christ you know but it's not necessarily saying like today I'm going to go and do X, Y, or Z. Uh, That's, that's in this perfect path that way we say like, okay, this opportunity has come up. Let's try it. Let's try this and see if it, if this is where we're supposed to be um, or not. You know, when we moved to Birmingham, we were like, let's try it for a year. Okay. We got this up, you know, things are moving in the right direction. We're doing good things. This is um, (coughs) good, big work. And so we're, let's stay, you know, but all those things have been, um, you know, we were, we were having our first baby moved away from family. Uh, that was even that, you know, not in the, the career path wise, but just in, in our personal lives, that was a big, um, a big step for us to be able to do that. So, um, I feel like each little thing has been, you know, just leading us in a direction and down a path. Um, maybe we didn't always expect to go down. I think that's a, a, a huge thing that was a revelation to me was like we reinvented our plan felt like weekly. I mean, and you create a trajectory of your life. And I, we, we talk a lot about, and then God has like 
10 better plans for you wow. if you and so we had to constantly say well this is what we said we were going to do this was the plan <laughs> right and this is not the plan what's what's in front of us is not the plan anymore what do we do we had to say okay well this isn't the plan but this seems to be where we need to be headed yeah, yeah. um even though it's not the plan and that was really hard uh, to do it's called we call it walking by faith and sometimes we you know because <laughs> we want to plan everything out to be a certain way we as, <laughs> when you're talking i'm thinking about you know what was going on at 2020 what we thought we were going to do didn't even come to pass but god opened up the doors and i think if you're faithful like you said just doing what you're doing in that at the moment that god's going to open the doors up and you're going to be able to see where he wants you to go with what you're trying to do and it may not be what you're initially planned out to do but he's going to open up doors and it'll be something even bigger and greater than you could even imagine you know yeah i I think the thing that's been interesting or that has been a learning curve for me is that uh it's not clean cut it's not oh as soon as i start going where i think god wants me to go everything gets easier you hit obstacles you say are we in the right place are we doing the right thing you have trouble trouble struggles anxiety stress Uh, you know, all the things. So like the pursuit of that, and it was, Hey, maybe we're doing the wrong thing. Maybe we're not where, maybe we should have gone. You have times where you wish you'd gone the other direction. So there's, I I think that that's a part that I like to tell people because for us, that was something that made us question what we were doing. Oh, are these feelings things that are us being told to go a different direction? When reality it's just you're pursuing something. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's just difficult. I mean, it's yeah. just difficult to walk that that way, you know? So I love that. I do love, and I think I, I work with college students too. And, and one of the things I would love for college students to get out of this, if nothing else is like, you, you have the opportunity to be on mission in anything that you're doing. That's right. You know, and, and that's one thing that we don't talk about a lot. We talk about, Hey, you got to become a missionary. Yeah. You know, I think that was a big point. And then as, as you have gone, God's opened these doors, doors for y'all to be on mission. Mm. And ev- even if it seems like, Oh, I'm just fixing somebody's teeth. Well, no, you're, you're fixing somebody's teeth for God because you're loving and caring for people. And that makes a difference in the world for the kingdom. And I, if more people, I think our world would not be in the shape it's in if we all bought that we could do something from where we are and make a difference. And I appreciate that y'all are doing that. Well, and yeah, and I, I I think it's important to, or always try to, we're, we're, we, we feel, we like what we're doing. We feel like we're, we're moving direction we want, but I don't want to over aggrandize what we're doing as, as this mystical uh, or this like, uh, we're pursuing Christ, and every day it's perfect, and every day we're doing the right thing. I mean, it, we're 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 it's a struggle and it's a growth, and it's there's days that we make missteps. There's and you know we're, it's a progress and a process, and so that's yeah. Kinda. But I think I think what you're saying too, Doug, is like not, there's nothing special about us. No. There's absolutely nothing, nothing at all not special. special. About if there's one takeaway from this podcast, if you get one Every, everybody listen, point, they are not special. We are not special. special. You know, yeah. we really aren't. There's nothing uh, particularly um, different about us, um, and and I think that that can be. You know, I think you can, especially as a young person, kind of like, well, I'm not sure what my gift is, so I don't know where I can serve. I don't know what I can do because I don't know exactly how I'm supposed to fit into. You know, but it's. I think that. Um, you know, what do they say that 
he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called, right? So like right. you, if there's an, if there's somebody needs something, step up and do it, you know, yeah. step up and try. Um, because th- th- that's hopefully what we're trying to do is seeing a need and filling a need. Yeah. Um, even if there's somebody else who could do it better than we could, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't think, yeah, like Ben said, I don't think we're like, uh, changing the world or creating some big we're just trying to do what we can do where yeah. we are and in what we're doing yeah, yeah it, i think it's we're not like trying to win mvp we're just participation trophy we want to we we're we're not saying we're the best at whatever we're just saying that we're going to pursue all right and we're going to be a p- active part is what our goal is so well so so tell us a little bit now now you've kind of brought us to what what got you here but tell us also a little bit about transcend um and and this and and the whole kind of process because I went on the website and looked today, and and I would encourage anybody listening to go on the website because yes. I looked at the teeth that that, <laughs> that you worked on. And it's like the little thing that you the little the bar that you mark, draw. Yeah. Holy cow! It is one of those overwhelming things. Yeah, that's um, really really cool, and I'd recommend that. But um, tell us a little bit about transcend, and if there's people listening to this, uh, th- there may be some people that want to help in some way. Um, and I know that, um, what, what do you need from us as well, or maybe from somebody listening? Yeah. So we, we've built this, uh, clinic, um, like we had talked about, it's going to be a nonprofit clinic at the end of the year. Um, so a couple things about it. One is it's built a little bit with a Robin hood mentality. Um, we have a, a, a fee schedule or a fees for patients. They don't, it's not a free clinic, but it's, so we'll have some patients come in that are have the ability to pay kind of a more of an average fee. And those people, if they pay, it helps cover people that come in that don't have any ability to pay. So mm-hmm. we just so we'll have so we, we really see a spectrum of people. We'll, we have a strong homeless population. We have a strong drug recovery population. We also have people that have means and abilities, but just have complex needs, dental needs. And so they'll come in and they'll pay kind of a more full fee. And that, that money is what we kind of shuttle towards people that can't. And so we have, so I guess part of what I'd say is if, if a person has complex dental needs and they need treatment, regardless of if we don't just, Hey, only focus on treating a homeless person. We also try to just treat people. Cause I think one thing that we have, once again, I think we try to be really black and white. And so you say, okay, people either have tons of resources and means or they are indigent and live on the street. And there's a very large, large population of patients that sure. have a large needs that are working jobs and that still can't afford $60,000 worth of dental work or whatever yeah. and still need help. I mean, it, it, just because they don't, they're not doing drugs or they're not living on the street doesn't mean that they sure wouldn't be blessed and enriched by having the ability to go to a place and get stuff done. And so our population is not just the extremes. It's also people that just, our goal is to hit the people to serve the least of these, the people that need have complex needs and and need to get built back up. And so in our area is dental. That's what I can do. I can't, you know, I can't put the foot back on, but I can, I can rebuild mouse. So our, our main focus is people that, uh, if you need a filling or cleaning, that's just not our area. If you need more complex work, most of your teeth, we usually work on a lot of patients to get all of their teeth out and get dental implants. That's kind of our focus. So we rebuild their mouths um, or people that need every tooth in their mouth worked on is kind of our general focus. So yeah, I think um, most people, you know, 
might uh, or a lot of people might think of a dentist as you know you go you get a filling or uh, maybe you need a crown on or yeah. um, some kind of um, what would be in Ben's perspective more basic um, dentistry just general just, just general bread and butter butter dentistry yeah, right uh-huh. right um, so typically that's not the patients that he um, and his partner see at the clinic so um, but our main uh, you know, the reason that we started the clinic is for the least of these to serve people um, who have no means. Um, and when we get the nonprofit up and um, going, we'll be able to serve even more people. So um, I would say if you uh, are thinking about a way that you can help, um, stay tuned because we will be able to accept donations and things like that uh, much sooner. Um, but uh, just, you know, some of the patients that Ben sees. Um, maybe someone in drug recovery. He sees a lot of um, abused, uh, particularly women, um, mm. who may have had some trauma done. Mm. Um, sure. A big, you know, a car accident a long time ago, things like that, um, that maybe they got something piecemealed. Um, actually, just uh, was hearing this week, he um, had a patient who came in, uh, brought her daughter in to get some work done, and that patient just... Um, had an old denture that just like didn't fit right and 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 he just said would you mind this uh, this uh, he did not tell me to say this story no. i just uh, uh yeah. want to highlight it but he uh, had a pay- he said do you mind if i you know take an impression i'm just going to make you a new denture um for this lady so um it's it's that kind of stuff that we want to do just sure. see a need and fill a need right in that that moment um, but of course we also have to be able to cover the cost to keep the lights on and to yeah. keep yeah. staff there yeah. Um, and so, um, and that's another way, uh, he didn't mention this, but that's another way of outreach is, uh, a lot of the staff, um, that he has there now, um, have come from drug recovery. So they came through the drug recovery program down in Birmingham, um, and they worked there and then he brought them up. One of them's an assistant, one of them's, um, uh, also yeah. there. I mean, they are just able to, um, to minister <coughs> to people, to give them real life skills, um, and, um, and to love on the people that, that work there too. Um, so, uh, yeah. So if you, I guess if you're listening and you have uh, dental needs or you know someone who does, regardless of their ability to pay, they would love to see you, um, do a consult. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I mean, a lot of my patients also are electricians, teachers, uh, engineers. I mean, we have a large population of patients that are on the spectrum of life. And so, yeah, we have a lot of people that have their parents that are 55 and indentures and have not been able to eat and chew well. And they didn't realize that they could get out of it because they didn't think they could ever afford it. So Mm -hmm. that's the interesting thing is, and why I try to emphasize when I'm talking to people, like we're not just because people be like, okay, I'll make sure that if I, have someone I see on the street, I'll let them know, which is great. But also like you have every person listening will have six people in their life that would need this kind of treatment Mm -hmm. that don't think they'll ever get it because they don't think they ever can do it. They don't think they can ever afford it. And those are the people that I want to know we exist so that they can know that they have a resource because yes, we'd love, we, our focus is treating these people that just feel totally abandoned and cast off, but also we want to focus on giving people resources that do have some resources, but they just didn't think they ever could get out of the place that they're in. And yeah. so we have can't tell you the number of people that just thought, this is told me, this is where I thought I was going to be. This mm-hmm. is just what I thought 
it was going to be like. And so to hear, no, we can get you to a place that is better this, and we can do this in a way that's affordable to you and get it done is, um, really a, um, rejuvenating thing for a lot of people. Yeah. So the clinic itself, which I'll just mention everything that they do in the clinic is between like 50 and 80% off of what a typical dentist would charge because of manufacturer relationships, because of donated dentist time, um, et cetera, because they build all of their things in their own in-house lab, things like that. So anybody, um, even like Ben said, who, um, who can pay something but can't pay $60,000, it's still going to be at least um, half off of what mm. they would maybe get at their local dentist. Yeah, and, and that is, and I think we talked about this kind of off mic for a second, but our, our model is is that the dentists make their money, or we make our money off of teaching other dentists. So we lecture throughout the U.S. on dental procedures, surgery, and this kind of stuff. And so we don't have to charge the patients to cover us. And so that's really how we're able, because I've had people say, well, do you buy your stuff out of a van? Because <laughs> they're so right. there. Yeah. You know, it seems like uh, it seems there's seems like there's a catch to it. And so I have to convince people there's, I'm using the same thing as Billy Bob down the road. We just have a different model. This is just a different setup. Because So I have some very suspicious, like, do you sterilize your equipment? Like, I've had that asked to me before. And I'm <laughs> like, yes, we have, we're doing the same thing, which is fine. It's fair. Like, this is, this is yeah. a weird thing. It seems kind of like there's some kind of trick the at the cash? end. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which is just I like another opportunity to say, yeah, I I'm tell donating people, 100% of my time. And then this is why I'm doing it. I well, mean, and I, I try to know? tell people, Jesus loved me. People have helped me and I'm going to show that because people when I needed it helped me and so I'm going to be a person for you you yeah. know and so that's kind of the message I have an opportunity in that moment to share that messaging um, but yeah it's always funny to have people that are convinced that there's kind of some kind like there it's like a timeshare or something that they feel like they're <laughs> right. selling and they're like no it really if I don't have to get a lawyer to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and you're like no like legitimately we'll do your teeth and then at the end you'll be done and you'll like it and that's it that's kind of the end of it so well, wow. if people out there are listening today um, to this podcast and wanting to get more information about Transcend so the website is what's the, where do they go to for so Transcend we did not we are better at uh, dentistry than naming things but uh, Transcend Dental Clinic is the name of the clinic um, you can go to our website and you can reach out to us uh, if you just have questions about uh, if we have other people interested in a couple of things if you have co- people interested in dental or medical and that are want to look and see so shadow or something yeah. we'd love to have you know we have a lot of college people that'll come and that are interested um uh you can reach out to us if you have questions or if there are patients that are interested they can schedule um we're just kind of a normal we're set up just kind of a normal clinic so you can call in and set up appointments and we Mm -hmm. we have five days a week we're open so and if you're a practitioner if you're dentist dental hygienist retired you want to do um we will be once the nonprofit's up and running, we'll be doing um, some days of just um, donated time from other dentists. So if that's something that you'd be interested in, we would love to hear from you and talk to you about that too. Cool. Yeah. That's, uh, well, I appreciate you guys being willing to come in and kind of tell your story again a little bit. We've, we've heard it, but it actually helps to hear it again for me um, <laughs> because the first time we were in a group and I felt like I couldn't ask as many questions today, I, <clears throat> I feel like I understand a little bit better. Um, and I love, again, I just love it. it, Y'all are doing dentist and this is your little piece dentistry. You know, you're being a mom and doing (laughs) dentistry and being a wife, right? There's, there's, there's three pieces there, but, 
um, your commitment to the process and being able to be faithful to what's right in front of you is huge to me. Um, as somebody who's in ministry, full-time ministry, right? I'm the mm-hmm. real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy and I have done this, but it's it's you guys who make a difference for the kingdom way more than any church, any minister, because until we move out, like you're saying, until we affect the world, until we get everybody convinced that whatever, if you are, you know, this is what we were talking about with Lucas a couple of weeks ago, if you're pouring concrete, Mm-hmm. If you are, you know, fixing people's mouths, if you are picking up trash, we have we have a place for the kingdom that we can impact the kingdom if we live on our faith in those places. So we appreciate y'all coming in and telling your story, and hopefully this will generate some interest too. Sure, well, appreciate we appreciate y'all having us. We we do have you know we do have dental hygienists for sure throughout uh, the church, and who knows where this will all translate to, but. What I'd love to do, um, just kind of to wrap up, is to pray over you guys, and um, and then we'll be finished. Mm-hmm. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for these two and the blessing and the way that you have used uh, their life for your kingdom. But um, I'm thankful for their story, their story of just trusting that you were going to lead and mm-hmm. then following that lead. And even sometimes when it looked like, uh, where are you, God, uh, that you were still there that that life uh, gives us ups and gives us downs and, and gives us transitions, but you are faithful. And, um, Father, we just pray a special blessing over them, pray it over Transcend, pray that they continue to impact Huntsville and other doctors and other communities where your love spreads into other places because of faithful people following uh, their love for you. Um, we're thankful for today and uh, we just pray that you lead us into all things in Jesus name Amen Amen. Thank you so much for having us Appreciate it Our stories of brokenness struggles failures and sin help others know that they are not alone and that while we as a church are imperfect and broken God has the ability to take our stories and to make them into a story that shines the light back on Jesus And that's a beautiful thing. It's our hope that the people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your stories if you're willing to share it. We appreciate your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast. We'd also love to hear from you if you have a faith story you'd love to share. You can reach out to us at unbrokenjars at gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experience of real life stories and real faith that you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.